You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take North Podcast on your free Odyssey app. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score, the Mullane Haw Show. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune out at Hallis Hall. Holiday week, kind of a different week at Bears uh, for the Bears at Hallis Hall, Dan. Three games left. Motivation could be lacking. You could be looking for signs. What has it been like the week after one of the most difficult losses of the year? Yeah, I've been encouraged that the the human nature emotion dip hasn't been pronounced or even evident at all here uh, through the first two days of practice, Wednesday and Thursday at Hallis Hall. It feels like a team that um, still has its focus set and is ready to go in and play uh, what should be an inferior opponent on Sunday at home in the Arizona Cardinals and ready to uh, get back in the winning column and on the winning track because I think I think they understand that, that there are some some signs of progress that can be built on but yes uh, the, there is still the acknowledgement that that Sunday's loss was uh, absolutely galling to uh, to absorb given what it meant for the season let's get into what Sunday means for the rest of this season in our opening drive it's time for the opening the, the opening drive all right, Dan, so we heard from Luke Getze on Thursday. That's always entertaining, uh, interesting, and, and overanalyzed. Um, <laughs> so when, where do you want to start in terms of where this is, in terms of the broken offense, in terms of you know, there are all kinds of big-picture implications we talked about earlier this week. And th- those conversations continue. Uh, but Getze yeah. spoke specifically on some of the things that went wrong on Sunday, which led us to this point. Right. And so did special teams coach Richard Hightower. And so, David, it was an interesting day on Thursday at Hallis Hall where we were still kind of unpacking um, some of the, the details that created a, a loss in Cleveland on Sunday. And and look, like we we spent a lot of time talking about the third and 15 pass play that Joe Flacco hit for 34 yards against a, a blitz that, that gave the Browns their game-winning drive and their game-winning field goal. We spent a lot of time talking about the dropped Robert Tunyon 
catch that that could have been a huge play for the Bears early that resulted in incompletion. We talked spent a lot of time earlier in the week talking about Darnell Mooney not able to secure the Hail Mary, but there were some some nuances on Thursday that we were getting into that to me set us up to have a little discussion here thematically about losing football, about why a team is five and nine, about moments that need to be uh, met that aren't met. And as silly as it may sound to you, I'm going to start with the coin flip. Because what was notable to me, David, in, in kind of having these conversations of trying to figure out, are you, are you sharp enough? Are you prepared enough to, to seize opportunity? We spent a lot of time with Richard Hightower talking about the end of half decision to bypass the 55-yard field goal attempt and throw a Hail Mary at the end of the half. And that explanation was clear cut and forward. They were well outside their kick line. They were well outside what they refer to as the monster kick line, which is the, if it's the end of the half or the end of the game, we're comfortable stretching this line to X yard line in order to just take one, you know, 10% crack at, at making a kick. But in that discussion, there was a ton of conversation about the wind and the wind and the wind and the wind and the wind on that side of the field was particularly gusty and particularly, um, obstructive, I guess, is the word for it. And so the follow-up question was, why was that the way you were going at the end of the first half when the Cleveland Browns won the coin toss and elected to receive the ball? And then you put yourself in a position where in the second quarter, when you're going to be going potentially for the last drive of the half, you're going toward the goal line that has the most difficulty kicking in. And so eventually I got around to talking to Richard Hightower about that decision-making process. Here's some of that back and forth. Do you have input into choosing direction in terms of the coin flip happens? You guys are figuring out which way to go to start the game, which way to go to finish the game. Are you involved in that? Yes. So when mm-hmm. Hicks sort of sailing further the other way on Sunday and you guys go in the harder direction in the second and fourth quarter, what, what, what factors are there? Yeah. So what factors? Great question, D. The factors there uh, are – you have to look at what they've done traditionally. They've never taken the ball, right? Win was such a factor in that game that they decided to take the ball. So we thought about it in terms of getting our offense going, getting everything going, and having a win at our back and playing field position in the first quarter because we wanted to start hot. We wanted to start fast. You know, you just don't you just don't know what you mean. You don't know in the second half what's going to happen. Our our mindset was offense, defense, field position, first half with the win. Let's go. Since they took the ball, and then in the second half, we don't have the decision. Yeah. They do on the win. Hmm. Terrific question, D. <laughs> so I, I, I'm curious, David, what you make of that? Just given given the fact that it it felt like the Bears were prepared to be getting the ball regardless of who won the toss and then Cleveland won the toss and chose to take the ball which is something they haven't done all year and you know Hightower's explanation there is the Bears wanted the wind at their back in the first quarter so they could get off to a fast start do you well, think that, that was, did that was, think that was a, a mistake then that that was a misread and they weren't prepared for the the Browns to take the ball Potentially, right? Like potentially, and they, but they did say they wanted to have the the ball or the win at their back in the first quarter to get off to a fast start. Well, their first three drives in the first quarter were three and out, three and out, and six and punt. And so, uh, even even with the win, they had nothing going. But uh, it's just one of those little details. I, you know, we always reflect back on the hash mark decision that Matt Nagy didn't make against the Chargers in that fateful game in 2019. And you just remind yourself that every little calculation, every little decision within a a, a game matters. And I just I'm curious. About that because obviously it led to that end of the half sequence that led to you going in a direction where the wind was was not 
favorable and you ultimately had to pass up uh what people thought could have been a realistic kick if you had optimal conditions but you didn't have optimal conditions and you threw a hail mary and it was intercepted slash incomplete and the half ended so my initial reaction to a lot of that is is number one if the bears were caught off guard by the coin flip decision by the browns it's pretty much the way the season has gone but the other thing is that i think it just to me reflects how how small the margin for error is when you make a bad decision on the coin flip and it actually does affect the outcome. I don't know how many teams in the National Football League are impacted by what happens at the coin flip. <laughs> and and we have spent a lot of time this year talking about, well, you know, the Bears are three and one when they win the toss and they take the ball. And I just don't know if the San Francisco 49ers have these conversations. Yeah, maybe not. And, 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 I, and I think it's interesting because it reflects just how how little room for error there is. Yeah. But I I think they blew it. I mean, if you if you're if you don't if you don't have the wind when you think you want the wind, that's a that's a mistake, right? And I guess who does that fall on? Does that fall on the players that on the field that play the coaches that preparing the players for the coin flip? Can you be unprepared for a coin flip? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And it was I, to me it was just worthy of kind of an entry point into this discussion about yes. things, uh, about little moments. And I've got two more and we'll try to get through them quick. The other one um comes in the, the third quarter, the second one, and it's it's the Bears had taken a 17 to 7 lead on the interception return by Tremaine Edmonds. And all of a sudden you're you're in position to or I get maybe they kicked the field goal on the previous drive, but you're in position to add on to that lead. And you get the ball back in the middle of the third quarter. And the first play of the drive is a screen call where Roshan Johnson is leaking out to the left side. This has been shown in certain pockets of social media. I think JT O'Sullivan had an, uh, a commentary on it. If you want to find the QB schools, Twitter account to watch the play, you can do it there. Um, but this was a play that in live action, when Justin Fields threw it away, he threw the ball away on a screen pass to the left side of the field that in live action, I turned to Brad Biggs and I went, what in the world was that? I can't wait to watch that back. And I watch it back and I go, Ooh, God, my goodness. And then I watch it back a third time with the all 22 and you, you see it and you go, Oh my God, like this literally is set up to be a 58 yard touchdown. And Justin Fields opts to throw the ball away and you're left scratching your head on, on what exactly happened. Well, Luke Getzey had a chance to um, Adam Hogue asked him directly. What was Justin's message to you on why he did not throw that pass to a back who is sitting in a spot for a screen with four blockers to handle one defender. And the ball went to the sideline because Justin threw it away. Here was Luke's response to that play. I think anytime, right whether it's a pass play, screen play, whatever it is, right? You you got to trust what you see, what you feel in the moment. And and and, and he did. He didn't feel, something didn't feel right to him in the moment, so he made the the, the safe decision in his mind and and threw it away. And we always are going to preach taking care of the football over anything else. So I, I know exactly what play you're talking about. And I think everybody can remember it and I did see the I did watch it a second time. It's the plays like they're the plays That's like it. that that make that first of all happen far too often. We see with I don't want to say regularity, but we've seen a lot of them. It's plays like that that limit you from you know having 200 plus passing yard days. Uh, plays like that that prevent you from having more than 23 out of 35 200 yard passing days in your career. And it's plays like that that make it hard for the Justin Fields isn't the problem crowd to continue to claim that he's not at least part of it because there are too many layups that he misses. There are too many throws that you assume quarterbacks who are, are accurate passers make. 
And there are too many examples like the Roshan Johnson miss to point to. I watched that so many times and I just came to the conclusion that that's losing football. And now this isn't all pinned on Justin, but it's moments like that, to your point, plays like that, that change the entire next week. If you hit that pass, if you're able to avoid, now look, there's pressure coming, but guess what? You're expecting pressure when it's a screen call. That's the whole point of the design of the screen. So you invite it, you want it, you invite it and you you have to you you tease it and then you fool it. And then you you may not get the ideal passing lane, but you got to create that and you got to get it out there. If you complete that pass and it goes for 50 yards, potentially a 58 yard touchdown there, you're talking about being up 20 to seven or 24 to seven. And the game might be over at that point, the way the bears defense played and everything that we talked about this week might be in an entirely different frame because of one simple play. And to your point, this is obviously you could single these out in every single game, a missed opportunity, a missed moment that goes the wrong way. But th- this is a, an example of something that is is recurrent where where it, it's just there, there, there's nothing wrong with the play other than the ability to to get it to where it needs to go and then watch it unfold. It, it just it's not natural. I, it, there, the, you know, there's there's a. You know, if you're a shooter, it's an easy – you can tell guys that are just – they pick the ball, just it's so fluid. But there's nothing really fluid about that throw in that case. And it, it, it could be. You want it to be. And, and, I, and I say this because you don't want to pick on him because there's a lot of, there's a lot of heat being directed at Justin Fields. And, you know, we, we repeat ourselves. But, you know, from an from a intangible standpoint, he's the easiest guy in that locker room to, to support and to like and embrace – but there were two examples. This is just one of them this week where the coaches have frustration. You know that must be difficult to suppress if you're coaching Justin Fields. Luke Getze did as much as he could there, I thought, to protect his quarterback and not say, you know what, he blew it. He's yeah, got to hit sure. that pass. Matt Eberflus was talking on Wednesday about, I think, uh, a pass that uh, Fields missed with Darnell Mooney, and he yes. sounded frustrated talking about it, but he didn't want to be direct. So there's some restraint being shown here. And it makes you wonder how many times that's happened over the course of the last two seasons uh, before, you know, they got here. That's hard to, it's hard to hold that against anybody, but the progress that you need to see and maybe expect to see from somebody who is your quarterback I don't think that they're seeing, and I think that's evident in plays like we're talking about. The pass you're mentioning that Iberfus brought up on Wednesday was the last pass before the Hail Mary to end the first half where Darnell Mooney is literally sitting down at the number that would have gotten the Bears into field goal range, and pressure came, and Justin put a ball in a location where he brought the safety back into play, and he led Mooney right into traffic where the safety broke it up, as opposed to completing a pass at the 30. Mooney gets right down to his butt. They call a timeout, and they've got a 48-yard field goal attempt to squeeze points out of the first half. So it's another moment where you're like, man, like you and Matt, I think his words were, you got to have that. That kind of has to be made, you know, and, that, that, you know, like Matt feels his job security dwindling by the day because of mistakes like that. And that's when you have to understand the stakes that are here. And it's why the great ones in the game get rewarded with two hundred and sixty million dollar contracts for making plays like that happen. I'll pivot now to the third moment from Sunday. You know the play call for me that I hated. Like literally hated in the moment, hated it again and rewatch, hated it again even now. And it's the third and one jet sweep to Tyler Scott. I am struggling to understand why the Bears can't find some bread and butter short yardage concepts that work for them. We saw 
the goal line situation where they had all those plays down inside the five and it was just a, a constant struggle before they finally get the magic act to get in the end zone on the field fields ex- extended play. Then you have the, the, the fields fourth down uh, rollout that where he gets tripped up and stopped the Tyler Scott one was a play design that is to a rookie receiver to take a sweep around the end and it failed. And then you punted and it didn't seem like a great call. And so I asked Luke dire- directly about that. What in the world were you trying to do there? Here was what Luke had to say about that play call and what happened. I think uh, necessarily other than Philadelphia, right, they got the bread and butter for sure. But other than that, I, I think it's, you know, taking advantage of the situation that you got, right? And, you know, we had two really good opportunities this week. And, you know, you have those two, two, two potential explosives if we're able to handle uh, the situation just a little bit better. Um, but that's both uh, coaching and, and, and players. That's both of us uh, together working on those two opportunities. When you have premier looks, we got to make sure that we, we, we capitalize on them because we had them. We love the call. We love what we were going after. Uh, we just didn't, uh, whether we wasn't us preparing them well enough or whether we didn't execute it well enough, both of those things. But as far as bread and butter, I feel like, you know, we've done a really good job of attacking uh, minus last week in uh, that uh, the, 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 the DJ one, right? We didn't prepare them well enough for sure on that one. What did you love about the, the Tyler, the Tyler call? Uh, there was literally nobody there, and you saw Braxton pancake the, guy, the the only guy that was there. So Tyler gets around the end, and again that end, that end made a nice play. But if we can coach that up just a little bit better, we 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 talked about how we can make that better, and uh, and we will, and we have, and uh, but then you saw Braxton go and pancake. There's literally nobody left. So you're talking about a completely different game if we can get that one done in in the one before, right? I mean Justin's on the edge, right, and get shoestring tackle away from a 20 yard gain. So you know, and, and I get it. We didn't get it. So that's that's the that's the that's the talk and it should be. Hmm. That's the talk and it should be. I agree with him there. Well, I think when you you use the term, you know, short yardage concepts, and I and I think that's what I would like to see uh improve whoever the coach is next year. And, and I think in any team you kind of have uh, examples that come to mind. You know what you're going to do in a situation like that. And and with the Bears. This year specifically, when you say short yardage concepts, I think of three things that, to me, have created uh, bad trends or bad tendencies. This might not be fair, but this is what comes to mind first. I would want to eliminate going backward. If you're pitching the ball backward, anything that is on third and fourth and one, taking the ball and lateraling it behind the line of scrimmage to make it even harder and you're going deeper. I don't like that idea with a downhill football team. Secondly, I'd avoid going, going laterally as much as possible. This is what that was. Jet sweeps are all the rage. I don't like them on third and fourth and one. Too many bad things can happen with too many people who aren't used to doing what they're being asked to do. And and the third thing is the f- gimmicks. I, I think you want to avoid gimmicks at any stretch. You don't want the tight end taking the snap. You don't want a shotgun for wildcat formation. You don't want to do the tush push if you're not equipped to do the tush push and somebody's going to jump. If you can eliminate those three things and just, you know what, put the fullback in the backfield, dot the eye, hand the ball off, and get your yard downhill, okay, now we're starting somewhere. If that's the identity of your football team, lean into that and avoid those other things. Yeah, find something to lean into. And, that, I, you know, I didn't love Luke's response there because, it, you, yeah, obviously there's a lot of plays where you could go, oh, that's that's 35 yards if, if, it's, if it runs. Well, it was a loss of one or a, a no gain, and you punted the football away. And so ifs and buts, you know, it's just not it, – it, it wasn't there. And um, 
again, these are these are little things that add up to big results that add up to the the, the change in the outcome of a game, which lead to the change in the outcome of careers in a lot of instances. And so, again, like I, you hear me on this podcast often talk about the stakes of everything that's involved for everyone. You talk about this being a, you know, cutthroat league where where you better understand how steep the climb to the top of the mountain is. And if you're not ready for it, the avalanche is going to take you back to the bottom. And 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 that too consistently happens with the this football team that that works inside of this building that i'm in right now anything else on the luke getsy appearance uh before we move on to our predictions in the numbers game no i mean like i think he's he's striving to seek improvement and highlight improvements that they have made and you know there have been some um but look we've got three weeks left and and this offense is is uh just still kind of not carrying its weight as much as it needs to be We've talked before, there's a, a an accountability pie chart with a lot of pieces in it, and there's a lot of people that own uh, accountability for that, and and certainly Luke and Justin are, are, are have the biggest pieces of that pie. When Matt Eberflus was asked on Wednesday about Luke Getze maybe relinquishing play-calling duties or his support for his offensive coordinator, and he said he loved the guy, he didn't say – did, did, did that answer strike you as uh vague in any way what did you think about the way he responded to that question? no i think it was present you know and i think that's kind of the, the sta- a staple of matt i mean he said he loves luke he's a great leader in that room but he's focused on this week and i think that was just a football coach being football-y and trying to stay present in the now without trying sure. to talk about job securities that will come up in in three weeks here um again we just keep getting closer and closer to the time when these decisions will be made um and we'll know a lot more uh, after the calendar flips to 2024 hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right, let's move on to our numbers game and predictions. All right, Dan, ChicagoTribune.com. Every Friday, there are a bunch of numbers that mean a lot to Sunday's game. What are some of the best ones this week? All right, I'm going to start with you with my favorite one. It's 24 to 23, and it's a 2006 game between the Bears and the Cardinals. The Bears are who they thought we were. Who we thought they were. And we're not off the hook. Uh, you remember that game well. You were there. I was watching on the TV. You want to crown them? Then crown their ass. <laughs> yeah, thanks, studs. I love that. Uh, iconic. I mean, might, might be the most iconic Bears game of the 21st century. Uh, it probably rivaled only by the NFC Championship game the same year. Am I wrong? I would think that is the most iconic victory of that era, regular season-wise. The NFC Championship victory is memorable because of the imagery it created and, and the kind of history it made. It was at Soldier Field, but I would agree with you. How many thousand words was your oral history when you wrote that a few? <laughs> yeah, I think I wrote that ago. at the 10 year anniversary in 2016. I don't know how many words it was, but it was a lot of fun to talk to players from the Bears and then some from the Cardinals to, to talk about all the things that went went on there. You can find that at ChicagoTribune.com. Um, but man, the Bears overcame six turnovers by their quarterback that night, David, and came back from 20 points down without scoring an offensive touchdown. I don't think you will ever see that in the NFL ever again. There's not a bear that wants to forget that game except for Rex Grossman. <laughs> he was one of the guys I couldn't get a hold of for that piece. Shocking. The, the, the most shocking was I couldn't shocking. get a hold of Matt Leinart, who played really well in that game, but never, uh, never returned my calls. Um, okay, next number is $159,797,000. That is the guaranteed money folded into Kyler Murray's five-year $230.5 million extension that he signed with the Cardinals in the summer of 2022. He is one of the lucky ones that was drafted in the first round to earn a second contract from the team that drafted him. But in the two seasons since that extension was, uh, was reached, Kyler Murray is 5-11 as a starter with the Arizona Cardinals. It is an interesting case study to look at as the Bears prepare to host Kyler Murray at Soldier Field on Sunday in terms of the things that you have to be very, very confident in before you commit yourself to a long-term future with a player. My addendum to that number would be four, and that's the number of hours that Kyler Murray is required to study per week as per his clause in his contract that was added and created quite the controversy last year. All right, two more quick ones. Three, that's the number of seasons that Matt Eberflus and Jonathan Gannon spent together in Indianapolis working for the same staff. Uh, Matt was the defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon was the defensive backs coach 2018 through 2020. That familiarity uh, is notable. Who knows how it will play out on Sunday, but it's certainly notable. It's notable because, look, Flus has friends around the league that respect him. There could be, you know, th this could be uh, his future employer that he's playing against on Sunday, possibly as maybe an assistant head coach. He called him his mentor. And he also did something that surprised the heck out of me, Jonathan Gannon, when talking about Matt Eberflus. He called him Flu. <laughs> Someone else here in the building called him Coach Flu earlier Who in the year. Who knew that? I mean, is the S silent? It's like yeah. Illinois. 
who knows? But maybe some guys know him as Flu, and some guys know him as Flu. So I think Matt Eberflu is in trouble. You know what's <laughs> interesting, though, David? There's a lot of people from my uh, younger days who call me Weed, which was which was my name through high school and college. And then there's people in the media room that somehow I think Jeff Dickerson was the one who kind of added the S to that. And and so a lot of people in the media room know me as Weeds. People outside are like, why are they why are they tacking the S on? <laughs> why are they tacking the S? Maybe it's well, a similar thing. <laughs> Weedsy, I like Weedsy. <laughs> Last one here, zero. It's the number of third quarter points allowed by the Bears in their last five games. This was a number that Matty Bruflux highlighted himself on Monday as he's looking to highlight some things that they're doing well. The defense has been great over the last month plus. They've been particularly good in the third quarter. My research showed me that the last third quarter touchdown allowed by the Bears defense was way back in week five in that Thursday night game in Washington. That's a long time ago since the last time this defense was hit for a, an end zone celebration in the third quarter. Wow. After listening or hearing, uh, I did not work on Thursday morning, but I know that I never miss Big's time on the Mullen and Haw show. I'm going to add one to the mix. That would be six. I think Brad Biggs said that six undrafted players contribute to the uh, Cardinal oh, defense. Yeah. Six. <laughs> this is an invitation for Justin Fields to get well in the passing game against the second worst pass defense in the in the league so when you have six undrafted players and the second worst pass defense in the nfl there are no excuses for there to be an 166 yard pass out passing outing unless they decide to run the ball 80 percent of the time so that would be something that's stunning six undrafted players just to clear up the record though they are the second worst rushing defense they're actually 13th in passing defense they're 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 30th in passing yards allowed per play so they are susceptible in both sides but i also think this is a a great invitation david to dedicate yourself to the running game and get everyone involved justin foreman roshan khalil everybody gets a chance and you run all over the cardinals until they prove that uh they can't stop it. Notable, last week, the, the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen having the season that he's having just decided, screw it. Let's run the football until we can't run the football anymore. And they, they just kept running the football. I think they're still running the football on the Cowboys. <laughs> Lots of numbers flying around. This is a bad defense. It's an invitation for victory for the Bears, which brings us to our predictions. Let's bring in studs to make those because something tells me he's expecting a Christmas miracle at Soldier Field. <laughs> Would it be a miracle? I don't know if this one would qualify as a miracle. It would not. It would not. Yeah. So, no, nah, I'm picking the Bears this week. It, it Cardinals are just bad. And like you guys were saying, they, they have a terrible defense. If the Bears offense was looking for a get-right game, this is about as close as you're going to get to one. So, I, I the Bears win. I got them going 28-19. to 19. Defense should do enough against Kyler Murray, who's, the I think, the only player on that offense you got to have any concern about. And oh well, and, uh, excuse me. Uh, the running back, the, the, the running back's good too. Uh, James Connors, yeah. So, but it, you know, the offensive line is terrible. So, uh, it, it's I think the Bears should be able to to walk out of there with a with a a win that doesn't stress me out on at my family's Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Even if it does, then there's plenty of booze at that party. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> David, I'm hopeful to have plenty of booze in the press box at Soldier Field on uh, Sunday afternoon. I don't think it'll be allowed, but I'm just, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're making Christmas wish lists, that's one for me. Uh, I've got the bears walking out of there with a double digit victory, 26 to 16. I think they're the better football team. My fear, as you guys know, earlier in the week was the trap door would be the emotional 
recovery that they had to go through after Cleveland. I think they've done a good enough job here to understand what they need to do. The health is still pretty good. Uh, we'll get into some of that here at the end. Um, but you, you've you got uh, an opportunity here to impose your will on a team that's not as good as you. Go do it. I'm very curious to watch Kyler Murray. I'm very kind of curious about Rondale Moore, played at Purdue. Um, he's healthy, right? I think he's, he's fine. Uh, there's some curiosity about Paris Johnson, the player that I thought a lot, a lot of people thought the bears might take the right tackle, but as, as interesting as some of the pieces are for the Arizona Cardinals, I I think they do kind of stink. Um, and I can't believe the bears are favored by four points. That to me is miraculous is that this is the bears are actually opening a game where they are the favored team 27, 21. I think the bears, um, beat the Cardinals at home because this is a game, you know, if there's if there's 40,000 people at Soldier Field, it will be, you know, if there's more than that, I'll be surprised. Uh, if the Cardinals keep their focus for four, four quarters, I'll be surprised. Uh, it's just going to be a difficult one, probably for both teams, but I think the Bears prevail 27-21. Look at that. Everybody gets to enjoy Christmas Eve where the Bears win. <sighs> So while we have studs here, let's let's look at uh, look ahead in our, in our uh, last segment about Justin Fields' 35 career starts that you rank, Dan, in the Chicago <laughs> Tribune and Friday's edition. Friday's online edition or print or both? Is that uh, d- definitely in the online? I'm not sure where they're spreading it around for okay. print. If it's going to be in the print on Friday or Sunday. Well, over the weekend, you can pay attention to the Chicago Tribune print edition and the 35 starts for Justin Fields which he is eight and 27, I believe. Uh, so you rank, you rank them. I if did I'm one not- through 35. I thought it would, I thought it would be a fun exercise here for our case. We did this okay. when, when Mitch hit his 50th start here and then we updated it when he got through 51 and 52 uh, before he walked out the door. And I thought that was uh, at the time, a good, a good way to just kind of get a, a, a true big picture lens on this is every game that this quarterback has started. And here's what it looks like top to bottom. You obviously know there's some moments at the top that will bring back adrenaline rush memories for you. There's some moments at the bottom where you go, I had wiped that completely from my memory and I never wanted to think about that game again. So I thought it would be fun here for you guys each to pick two numbers anywhere between one and 35. And obviously we want to spread them out a little bit just to give a a full cross section. And I'll read you. I'll read you the game and I'll read you the capsule that's on our uh, on our rankings. You go first, studs. All right. Let's go with. All right, I'll just uh, let's go with uh, to 24. 24. Okay, so that'd be you know in your bottom 12, uh, the 24th start of uh, best start of Justin Fields. Oh, career. I thought we were picking the start number. Okay. No, no. Yeah, okay. if you want you want to change your number? I'm happy to go. No, no, wait, we'll go with I'll go with I'll start with a bad one and then I'll go a a, a good one later. So yeah, right. we'll go with 24. So, so 24. Rewind your uh, time machine to October 2nd, 2022. The Bears are in New York playing the Giants. They lose that football game 20 to 12. Justin was 11 for 22, 174 passing yards, 52 rushing yards, lost a fumble. His passer rating was 76.7. My capsule for that game was the league's least productive passing attack with fields at the steering wheel continued riding the struggle bus in New Jersey. 12 possessions, only four field goals. A 56-yard completion of Darnell Mooney was made for the highlight reel, but fields was sacked six times, didn't pull the trigger on an open deep shot to Mooney, and went without a touchdown pass for the third consecutive game. Through his first 35 starts, this was one of 14 Bears losses in which the offense didn't score more than 17 points. Okay, that's an interesting one. That seems like a meh start to me, right? That's a <laughs> yeah. meh. Oh, that's Definite a meh sure. whole lot of meh in those 35. How about 33? 
Oh, What's the boy. 33? Go deep in the before we go positive. Let's go. Let's go in the depths. Da- David wants to go to the, the Texans game. David wants to go to the yuck. And well, this this one we don't have to go that far back. Week three of this season, Chiefs 41, Bears 10. Oh God. 11 for 22, 99 yards, a touchdown pass late, one interception, 47 rushing yards, 58.7 rating. Fields caused a stir leading up to this game when he suggested his early season struggles were a result of being coached in ways that were causing him to think too much. My goal this week, he said, is to say F it and go out there and play football how I know how to play football. The quarterback's quest slash request to play free didn't result in immediate production with the Bears getting blown out of Arrowhead Stadium by Patrick Mahomes and the reigning Super Bowl champs. When Mahomes left the game for good in the middle of the third quarter, the Bears trailed by 41 points and had 87 total yards and four first downs. Yeah, forget, Forgettable. That's a yuck. <laughs> That's a All right, let's make something a little cheerier. Here, All right, huh? go ahead, studs. All right, let's let's go. I, I, you know, let's just go with number one. Okay, number one also this year. A couple weeks after that, October fifth, two thousand and twenty-three. Bears forty, Commanders twenty. Justin was fifteen for twenty-nine, two hundred eighty-two yards, four touchdown passes, fifty-seven rushing yards, a one twenty-five point three passer rating, and a twenty-point win on the primetime stage field was dialed in from the first possession, converting his first third down of the night with a beautiful 58-yard completion to D.J. Moore and finishing that drive with a 20-yard scoring dart to Moore on third and 14. The Bears' first victory in 347 days also provided the first huge payoff of the field's Moore connection with the duo hooking up eight times for 230 yards and three scores. The Bears never trailed, led 27-3 at halftime, and flew home from Washington feeling optimistic about what looked like a promising breakthrough from their young quarterback. Oh, that's, those were the days, right? <laughs> um, all right, how about 10? How about okay. the 10th best? The 10th best. We're running out the top 10. December 18th, 2022, a little bit more than a year ago. Eagles 25, Bears 20. Hmm. Justin, 14 for 21. 152 yards, two touchdowns, 61 rushing yards, a 119.5 rating. Fields' biggest thrill ride of the afternoon was an adrenalizing 39-yard scramble during which he magically evaded a Hassan Reddick sack in the pocket, then rocketed into the open field and made the entire Eagles defense look silly. It would have been a 48-yard touchdown run, too, had he not barely grazed the sideline as he tried to cut and spin into the end zone. Fields also threw touchdown passes to running back David Montgomery and Byron Pringle, the latter coming on an extended play where Fields baited the defense with the threat of a run, then threw to a wide-open target down the right sideline. His rating was nearly 43 points higher than the average rating quarterbacks who had faced the eventual NFC Championship Eagles had up to that point. That offered an encouraging sign that the Bears quarterback was growing in his ability to handle pressure and stay composed against an elite defense. Wow, that's in, that's a good synopsis. Boy, this, this isn't. I can't wait to read all this. That's pretty complete, Dan. That's a lot of work. A lot of work. The good news is, is that for Justin's first two seasons, we were doing comprehensive quarterback rewinds on the Tuesday of every every week. So the research was pretty easy because it was already uh, already done in my my folders this year. A little bit fresher in the mind, and so I didn't have to re- realize. What are the chances that your Let's see, 20 through 35 are maybe some field supporters, seven through 20. <laughs> well, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, look, like this will cause discussion as most ranking systems do. I don't know that anyone will get, you know, there's 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 a segment of the field screw, David, that, that won't allow themselves to go below 15. So everything will be tied for 15th, I think, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Dan Weeder being Dan Weeder. Weed, weed, whatever you call I, I kid, them. I kid because I care, folks. I kid. Yes, because I you kid because he cares. Did a lot of people quick, care. Did, did you have a system for deciding what goes, like how to rank them, or was it just your well, gut well, feeling? No, so thanks for asking that. So we, we, we put together the entire spreadsheet of the starts, and Brad Biggs, Kelly, and Kane, and I went through collectively, and we, put, we had four categories in the spreadsheet just to get us started. It was wow, good, meh, 
and yuck. So there were four categories that those games would fall into. The wow category ended at number five. It went about eight or nine more before we were out of the good territory. And then into Matt and then the bottom, you know, you, you heard the 33rd start in Kansas city. That was, that was definite yuck territory. Everything in the thirties, I think, uh, and possibly up through like 28 was in, in, in yucksville. A lot of okay. yucksville, a lot of shrugsville, a lot of, <laughs> not enough. Wowsville. Is right. There, this is such a place. All right. Good stuff. Chicagotribune.com. eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's wrap things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, so Jalen Johnson spoke this week. I thought he was very interesting in that the door seems open a little wider to him resigning with the Bears. He understands how good this defense could be, wants to be a part of it. John Hoke spoke on Thursday on behalf of Jalen Johnson. Dan, you take it from there. Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, good to hear from Jalen's own mouth that that he's not hell-bent on getting to free agency and testing the open market, chasing a, a number. If the Bears come to him well before that and give him something that he deems suitable, he'll sign on the dotted line right away. Now, where that number is, we don't know. We can only guess for the time being. Obviously, the Bears have to work their way through that negotiation-wise. But John Hoke, his position coach, uh, inferred, he didn't say this out loud, but that Jalen Johnson was the best defensive back coach or defensive back he had coached since David Haw way back. (laughs) (laughs) No, he didn't say that. But he did say he was thrilled for the kind of season that Jalen is having. (laughs) And then when he was asked about kind of the the makeup that he's seen in Jalen Johnson this season, here's what he had to say about Jalen. Really smart. And smart people figure things out. And he's uh, going into his fourth year, right? And so he's learned and and understands uh, the game very, very well of football. And you probably don't watch uh, because I've done this for so long. It's some of the plays that you don't see. 
that aren't a splash play that jump out to me. He knows the route combinations. He understands uh, what the quarterback can and can't do. Um, you know, even in the, in the Cleveland game, he really didn't get any a lot of targets, right? And the way we play our guys is the way we play them. Well, the ball ended up on the middle of the field, so he ended up to the single side. Well, it was a play he almost intercepted. They probably weren't expecting him to be to that side, but that was the design of the play, so it went there. So just that he knows uh, what uh, the, the, the mentality of watching uh, what the coordinator calls, the route combinations, he, he watches massive amounts of tape, and uh, he does a really good job. So at the end of the day, obviously he's gifted uh, athletically, but he's really smart. Cool, cool praise there. It is, because, you know, John Hoke's been here for one year uh, coaching Jalen Johnson, and I think he respects the way that he approaches the game. And when you combine that kind of football IQ with the natural instincts and ability that Jalen Johnson has, you, you got a Pro Bowl cornerback right there. Yeah, and J- Jalen certainly wants to make that case, and then we'll see where this all heads. Cool. Uh, injury updates. Tevin Jenkins, Demarcus Walker, Darnell Mooney. What's the latest? Darnell Mooney, Demarcus Walker, back at practice as full participants. Good news there. Darnell had missed Wednesday with an illness. Dar- Demarcus is working through a, a leg issue, but seems to be okay. Tevin Jenkins still in concussion protocol. Again, we've talked about the hopes that he's able to get himself back on the field, if not this week, then before the season ends. That's one to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. And Dan, as the conversation continues surrounding Justin Fields and what's ahead in the Bears' decision-making process, and their, you know, will they upgrade to Caleb Williams and/or Drake May? The semantics, the details about the fifth-year option and what that represents, and the contract realities because of the CBA. What did you think is important? What do you think is important to remember? when we talk about this in, in regard to Justin Fields. Yeah, so I put out a tweet on Thursday morning. It's it, it's a, a good way to kind of encapsulate all this. It was some research we were doing uh, as a Chicago Tribune team as we get our arms around all the things that are ahead with the quarterback decision. But I think it's important for people to understand that this is the first formal opportunity for a regime to um, – offer a vote of confidence or a vote of no confidence in a first round pick. You know, that fifth year option comes up after your third season and, and, and the, the people in charge have to decide now it's fully guaranteed for your fifth year. And so particularly at the quarterback position, David, if you have hesitation and you are leaning against picking up the fifth year option, it's almost a uh, compass towards which direction you need to go. In the Bears case, when you're sitting on a potential number one overall pick, a potential number two overall pick, wherever it may be, it heightens the the magnitude of that decision. Because if you are going to say, okay, we like Justin, but not well enough to uh, exercise the fifth-year option here in May, you've got the resources right now to pivot in a new direction. And so the idea that, that you just kind of let it play out, and if it doesn't, you know, let's give him a third see if he's good year in 2024. And then if it doesn't work, well, then we we address the quarterback position. Well, guess what? You're not going to have likely the same draft capital to play around with at that point. And then you'll have cost yourself a golden opportunity. What I did in that tweet that I mentioned is kind of go through all of the 32 quarterbacks that have been drafted between 2011 and 2020, every class before the one that Justin came in at, and just kind of categorized them on ones that had their fifth year exercised and, and then eventually came to an extension with their team, ones that had their fifth-year option exercise and then had their contract expire after that fifth year, ones that never made it to their fifth year, ones that, you know, there's the, the two cases that that 
probably directly apply to the field situation at this point are Daniel Jones, who did not have the fifth-year option exercise, and the Giants gave him that that prove-it-to-us year under Brian Dable when Brian Dable came in, and, and Daniel Jones played well enough to earn the extension. And now I think people in New York would go, what did we do by signing him to that extension? Four years, $160 million. And the other one is Tua, who uh, – you know, had the fifth year option exercise, but has not come to an extension in Miami yet. That to me was more so a case of them trying to work through the concussion issues that were evident for that period of time. And they wanted to see how things would go clearly is playing well in 2023 and at a level that, that leads you to believe that they will find an extension there. And so those are kind of the two examples of, of guys that, that didn't, you know, nowadays it was like the, the, the Wentz and golf class, David changed it to the point where teams that exercise that fifth year option after year three are almost immediately starting negotiations on the extension. And right. if you're not, you're kind of pointing in a new direction. And so that's just some context as, as we get closer and closer to some of those decisions. Something we'll be sure to revisit next week. That's good research. Look forward to seeing that in, in the paper and on the website as well, because that's not a conversation that's ending anytime soon. <laughs> okay. So just a few semantics. We will not be doing a post-game pod on Christmas Eve. Uh, we'll drop next week, uh, probably uh, Tuesday. We'll do a pod on Tuesday. Day oh, I after thought we Christmas. were doing Christmas morning. No, uh, let's, cancel that one. Let's, let's not. You know what? If they were nine and five instead of five and nine, there's a possibility okay. all things would be in play. But I think we're going to make a command decision there. And we'll be back next week. And uh, we appreciate all of the people listening through a very difficult year. It's been interesting. And we'll be back next week after the Cardinals game uh, to talk about all the implications that we see on Sunday. So for Adam Sadzinski and Dan Weeder, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. Great talk. See you out there.